0: You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist, been helping people change their lives since 1996, broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. I want to talk about work and life today as if they were two different things. I mean, an awful lot of people talk about work-life balance as if they were two separate things. Work is an integral part of our lives. And, And very often it is the greater of all the various integral parts of our lives. We probably spend more time at work than we do in bed. And we spend more time in bed than we do doing the things that we love doing. So it's important to ensure that we begin to understand the key fundamentals of how we approach our work. I mentioned before Christmas that an awful lot of people with whom I work crave freedom, crave autonomy, crave the ability to do their own thing. Now, most people are afraid to actually take the leap, and do their own thing. Some of them are afraid that they'll be a success. We've talked about that before. Maybe we should talk about it again, just for a moment before we go any further. In my experience over almost 26 years of doing this, I have discovered that more people are afraid of being a success than they are of being a failure. Being a failure is normal. Most people fall on their face when they attempt to change their lives. Now, as we've said before, there are evolutionary reasons for that. Our minds are actually designed to ensure that we don't do anything that would put us in the danger of actually stepping outside the norm and actually changing our lives. So it's normal to fail. So, you know, if you fail, at least you're in the same boat as everybody else and you can all still be mates. But if you were a success... First of all, some of your friends, or who you think are your friends, may actually be jealous. They may want you to fall on your face. They may be quite put out that you haven't fallen on your face. They may disown you. They may simply walk away because you're not one of the herd anymore. You're something a little special. You're something abnormal rather than a normal crazy person. You are a success. And that's what people fear. They fear the disownment of people that they think are, are their friends. They fear sticking their heads above the parapet and being different. They fear, interestingly enough, as well, that if they do succeed, they'll have more to lose than they have already. All of these fears, of course, are the irrational fears born out of the thoughts that whiz through the normal mind of what I call normal, crazy people. But let's get back to having a successful work-life balance, ensuring that you are enjoying every aspect of your life because in effect, let's discard now straight away that particular phrase, work-life balance. It's meaningless because as I said a few minutes ago, work is an integral part of your life. And if you're not enjoying your work, you're not enjoying probably the greater part of how you spend your time. Now, surveys over the past 30 or 40 years have consistently shown that about two-thirds of people claim not to like the job they're doing. Most people will admit to the fact that they work for money, to make ends meet if you will, or they work to make a living. That attitude in itself is going to make the work that you do, whatever it is, with whomever you do it, more difficult. Because what are you saying to yourself as you try to go about your day's work? I don't really want to do this. So therefore you're struggling through what you have to do by dividing your mind between what you have to do on the one hand and thinking that you don't like what you have to do. A divided mind always fails. That is a psychological fact. If you're not fully focused on what you're doing, you're going to fail to do what you need to do with the degree of effortlessness that you could otherwise do it. There is research from uh, the last decade that shows that people who don't know why they're doing what they're doing or have a misplaced understanding of what they're doing, in other words, they're doing it for the money, will always find it far more difficult to do the simple tasks that they are paid to do than those who know why they're doing it, or to those who know not only why they're doing it, but they know they're going to get a kick out of it. The interesting thing is, if you look at the flow research all the way back to the 1980s, a lot of the flow research, people actually enjoying what they're doing to the full so that their lives felt as if they were just flowing along, were people doing what others might consider boring, mundane jobs. A lot of the flow research was done on the production lines in the auto industry in Detroit. People doing horribly boring, mundane tasks. The whole point is that they didn't think they were horrible, boring, mundane tasks. They didn't do what other people thought were horrible, boring, mundane tasks for the money. They were doing it for the joy of turning the screw or the nut on the engine block perfectly as it moved before them on the production line. More of the flow research was done in the Italian Alps, about half an hour from where I'm sitting at the moment, on the other side of Mont Blanc, amongst sheep farmers, hill sheep farmers. Their job consisted of bringing their herd up the mountain in the morning and bringing their herd back down the mountain in the evening. A boring, mundane job. Not if you take the attitude that I am enjoying what I'm doing and I'm living each moment, one moment at a time. So the first point, the first point I will make in relation to work-life balance is that if you don't like the job you're doing, you have two choices. Like most things in life, the choices are actually quite simple. You can choose to change your attitude to the job that you are doing, or you can change your job. Let me put it another way. You can change your job or you can change your mind. And you know, right at the outset, changing your mind is actually the easier, more effortless of those two options. Because you could change your mind today in relation to the job that you think you don't like, do it better, progress in your job, and then as a result of having better results from your job, get a bigger job anyway. The point is that the satisfaction, the fulfilment that everyone is looking for out of their lives is down to the attitude you bring to the moment in which you find yourself, particularly in the context of work. You may or may not be familiar with the story that you will find on a Zig Ziglar, if you want to Google him, YouTube video where in the middle of one of his seminars, somebody in the crowd says, well, I hate my job. And he invites her up onto the stage. And he asks her, why do you hate your job? She said, well, the people there are horrible. I don't get any recognition. I just do what I do for the money. And he said, more or less although in a slightly different way, what I've just said to you, you can change your mind or you can change your job. He asked her, to get a sheet of paper and draw a line down the middle of the page. And on one side of that line, write down all the things she hated about her job. And on the other side of the line, write down all the things that she liked about her job. She said, well, the right-hand column is going to be empty because I like nothing about my job. He said, "Uh, do they pay you? She said, yes, they pay me. They actually pay me quite well. And he said, you don't like that? She said, oh, yes, I'll write that down. He said, he said, go off and do that exercise and see if it changes your mind. He happened to be back in the same town about six weeks later, got up on the stage in the same hotel. And just as he started speaking, the lady in question burst in the back of the room and came and sat up front. And she said to him, I was here six weeks ago. And he said, yes, I remember you. He said, do you want to come up on stage? She said, yes. She said, I did that exercise. And she said, it's amazing in the course of just six weeks, how everybody else in the place that I work has changed. Now, obviously nobody else had changed in six weeks. What had changed was her attitude. So, you know, we talked before Christmas about people wanting more autonomy, more freedom in their lives, more happiness and success, more fulfillment and satisfaction out of what they're doing, and indeed having more time to do the things that they would love to be doing, the things that really turn them on. The first thing that you can do in this regard is change your attitude to the things that you do that you think you don't like. Listen to what I've just said. The things that you do that you think you don't like. Liking or disliking something has to do with what you think about it. It doesn't have to do with the intrinsic nature of what it is you're doing. What you're doing is just a task. What you bring to the party in doing that task is going to make that task either easier or in most cases, for most normal crazy people, or actually for all normal crazy people, it's going to make it more difficult. This is a choice, this is an easy choice you have to make. Am I going to do what I have to do today without thinking whether or not I like it? You see, you don't even need to force yourself into the notion of, or pretend to yourself that you think you like what you do. You need to take thought like everything else that we talk about here, you need to take thought out of the equation completely, because thought is what gets in our way in relation to everything that we attempt to do or everything that we would wish to do or everything that we would wish to achieve in our lives, in our working lives, in our personal lives, in the overall grand nature of the lives that we would love to live. But what if the job that you have doesn't give you the autonomy or freedom, or even time, sufficient time to do the things that you love doing. What if you are sacrificing part of your family life for the job that you're doing? Now, having worked with clients in the corporate sector for the first 20 or 23 years of the 26 years I've been doing this, since I decided to change the way I do my business and work with people who really want to change their lives. In other words, people who want to come to me, you know, let me explain that for a moment. Very often over the first 20 or 23 years of what I'm doing now, I would sit with a leadership team in an organization. Say there are 10 people in a room and two or three people want to be there two or three people actually don't just want to be there they want to learn they want to grow they want to get a better handle on how to live the lives that they want to live a couple of other people out of those 10 simply don't want to be there at all and one or two people in the room will be trying to undermine everything that we are working on in other words all 10 have been told to be there the, the, the satisfaction in doing that kind of wears off. Now, obviously, I'm a slow learner because it took 20 or 22 or 23 years for it to wear off. It kind of wears off. Why do an awful lot of people look at what I'm talking about or think about what I'm talking about or think about what we're talking about here and say to themselves, well, well, that doesn't have a meaningful application in my ordinary everyday life because I sold my soul to the corporation. And indeed, most of the people with whom I have worked in the corporate world over the last quarter of a century have actually sold their souls to the corporation one particular individual said to me during uh, last summer he said it was a beautiful evening at home he said and I was sitting having a cup of coffee out on the veranda and my daughter and my son came out to me and said we're going to the beach this evening will you join us because it's such a lovely evening the sun isn't going to go down till after 10 o'clock tonight and you know we never have fun together anymore and he said I can't. He said, I have a conference call at eight o'clock this evening. I just can't. And I said to him, when are you going to have time to play with your son and your daughter? And he said to me, when they no longer have time to play with me. I said, you've sold your soul to the corporation. He said, I know that. He said, but that is the price I pay for what I earn. Now, think about that because everything in life is a compromise. If you want to be in a loving relationship, work is involved, compromise is involved. There are speed bumps that need to be encountered and negotiated, possibly on a day-to-day basis. You can't just think of yourself because you're part of a team. So even relationships involve compromise. Work involves compromise, or does it? First of all, the reality of not having time to go swimming with your kids, that's a compromise. That's a price that is actually being paid. And if you find yourself stuck, because you are stuck if you're in that situation, if you find yourself stuck in that situation, the question you need to ask yourself is the cost and the benefit, weigh up the costs and the benefits of what I am doing with my life in the here and now. Not just in relation to whether or not I can give my attention to my children at this point in time, but in relation to the kind of life I really want to live. And the kind of life I really want to live, not just from a time point of view and an enjoyment point of view, but actually from a health point of view, because people who have sold their souls to the corporation are gradually grinding themselves down through the stress that they allow into their lives, the drip, drip, drip of ordinary everyday stress that the World Health Organization confirms will kill them slowly. Every time we allow, ourselves to be stressed, or should I say actually choose ourselves to be stressed, the drip, drip, drip effect of cortisol coming into our system is actually shortening our lives by compromising our physical systems. Healthy mind, healthy body, unhealthy mind, unhealthy body. But very often people in that situation say, having done their cost benefit analysis, yeah, I have to stick with this because I need to maintain the kind of lifestyle that I have. That's an interesting one, because people often think that they need more than enough. We've had a conversation about being enough and having enough a couple of months ago, and we may actually, no, we will actually come back to it again. But I don't want to digress at this moment in time. I want to come back to this concept and I said I wouldn't use the phrase again but let's stick with it because we know what we're talking about here when I talk about work-life balance. If you are working too long hours, well first of all you could move to France where it is illegal for your boss to email you after hours. Now that's the law and an awful lot of people think oh the French work less than everybody else. That might be the law, but that is not how it works in practice. I have three children who all work in Paris, who all work ridiculously long hours. They work within the system that says you can only work a 35 hour week. They work within the system that says you can't email somebody or phone somebody from a work point of view outside those 35 hours. But for example, I was talking to my son in Paris a couple of evenings ago, Uh, at about 11 o'clock at night. He had finished work at 10 past 10 that evening, having started at half past nine that morning. And that'd be kind of normal. And it's not abnormal for my two daughters in Paris either. So moving to France to get your work-life balance was a joke. But think about the laws that the French government passed a couple of years ago. What I've just said in relation to not working outside office hours, not being able to email people outside office hours. People often complain to me that they get emails at 10 o'clock at night and they have to go and answer them straight away. No, they don't! We set up other people's expectations of how quickly they expect us to respond to something by how quickly we actually respond. So if you want to teach somebody where the rules of engagement lie or where the boundaries of proper behavior lie, you have to set those rules yourself. In other words, if you respond to an email within 10 minutes, people will always expect you to respond to an email within 10 minutes. Most of the people with whom I work read their emails twice a day that they set the times themselves. They never start the day by reading their emails because that'll get them buried in their emails before they do the things that are most important to do on that particular day. The interesting thing is that when other people understand that they only read their emails twice a day, other people understand when they can expect to get a response. In other words, if you are complaining about how quickly other people expect you to respond to your emails, you're your own worst enemy. You've set that situation in motion yourself. So in other words, what I'm saying is most people in employment work outside employment hours as a result of the choices they've made themselves even if they are being bullied into working outside office hours. We've had a separate conversation in relation to how to deal with the bully. I'll pick that up actually in next week's podcast, how to deal with bullies, because that's a subject all in its own. But what you need to do is lay down the parameters of what other people expect of you yourself. You need to actually lay down those parameters yourself. So we've covered a couple of things so far. First of all, we have talked about the attitude you bring to your work. Secondly, the attitude you bring to encouraging other people to expect what you want them to expect of you from a work point of view. Really what we're talking about goes back to the start of this conversation today, and indeed, the conversation that we had before Christmas, when I said that an awful lot of people come to me saying that they want freedom, they want autonomy, they want the balance in their lives so that they can live the kind of lives that they want to live. And ultimately, a lot of people will say to me, I want to do my own thing. I want to work for myself. I want to set up my own business. The far off hills are green. And an awful lot of people who want to set up their own business have never even considered the attitude of mind they need to apply in a situation where the salary isn't going to drop automatically into their bank account at the end of the month anymore. An awful lot of people, when they actually realize that, and unfortunately, and this sounds bizarre, I know that, but very often we're dealing with normal crazy people, the fact that your salary isn't going to drop into your bank account automatically at the end of the month doesn't often dawn on some people until after They've set up their own business and they can't get their heads around not knowing where the income in six months' time or three months' time is going to come from. So, again, if you're going to set up your own business, you need to bring a certain attitude of mind to the party. Now, I will grant you, because I've been working for myself for the last 26 years at this stage, I will grant you that working for yourself is a joy. It is a joy that obviously brings its own challenges. It doesn't bring its own stress. Now, I was talking to a friend of ours in uh, Chambry, a couple of hours from where we live. Last summer, we were at a barbecue and he was talking about how stressed he was at work. And he turned to me, he said, you must be even more stressed than me. You work for yourself. I said, why? He said, well, you don't know where your next month's income is coming from. I said, well, that is actually true. I said, but the fact that it's true doesn't mean that I suffer from stress as a result of it. It's all about attitude, as I said a moment ago, and we've talked before about how we actually choose to stress ourselves. The way we operate when we work for ourselves is that we take for granted the fact that, for example, cash flow is going to be chunky or lumpy, and that it doesn't necessarily flow in the way in which your ordinary everyday salary flows into your account at the end of the month automatically. Until, of course, somebody says to you, we don't want you no more. But we, we, we talk about that some other time as well. If you're looking for autonomy and freedom in your life, then ultimately, you need to do your own thing. But doing your own thing doesn't necessarily mean Throwing away the safety net of employment and working for yourself. Consider what we said earlier on in this particular podcast today. Doing your own thing means doing what you're doing your way. With the attitude of mind that you choose. In other words, the guys on the production line in Detroit were doing their own thing. Or if I can put it another way, you have a choice in relation to the work that you think you don't like at the moment. You can continue thinking that you don't like it, which is going to make it increasingly difficult for you, which is going to increase the amount of stress in your life. So in other words, you're slowly but surely killing yourself. Or you can say, well, actually, I'm doing it my way. I'm doing my own thing. I'm turning myself on. It isn't that I have to convince myself to like it. Moment to moment, doing what I'm doing, I'm doing what I'm doing for the sake Of doing it. But if you want to just let go, if you really want to let go, if you want to take what some people perceive to be a leap of courage or bravery, now that's only normal thinking, by the way, if you want to do your own thing, really do your own thing, then all you need to do is set your mind in that direction. We've talked before about how you set your mind, but in this podcast today I have a particular recommendation for you with regard to how you would set your mind towards moving the work part of your life in the direction that will enable all of your life be the life that you would love to live if you're doing something at the moment, from a work point of view, that you would prefer not to be doing. Now, I've used the word prefer very deliberately for the simple reason that if you want something or if you crave something, you become attached to that something. And when we attach ourselves to anything, we give that to which we have attached ourselves the power to make us happy or unhappy. So, I would prefer the word prefer. So. If what you're doing at the moment you would prefer not to be doing, you need to write down, handwrite, the following. I prefer not to do this anymore. And you should also tell someone that you love or trust that you would prefer not to do what you're doing anymore as well. I need to clarify that. I've said over the years that goals are things that we move towards. Goals are not things from which we run away. And you might be inclined to think that what I have just said in relation to writing down, I prefer not to do this anymore, is running away from something. But no, it is the first step in running towards the life that you would love to live. It is you saying to yourself, I prefer to move towards the autonomy, the freedom, and the joy of having the kind of work-life balance that enables me live my life, my way, on my terms, effortlessly and joyfully. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, Straight enough called to succeed just let go and for more information visit wwwwillie